Hello and welcome back to Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast. I'm your host, CJ Baumgartner, and we're breaking down all the latest in the Minnesota Twins, including a trade that happened earlier in the week. Also going over some other stuff, including the reliever breakdown, which we'll finally get to in our offseason position-by-position breakdown. We had a chance to talk about the starting rotation, and then they traded for Pablo Lopez. So got kind of dated. Maybe we'll go over that quickly. But for now, let's talk about the elephant in the room or the... uh, the Kansas city Royal in the room or former Royal. And that is Michael a Taylor. He was traded over from the Kansas city Royals to the Minnesota twins in exchange for Evan Sisk and Steven Cruz. So, those two guys, and let's just talk about quickly who the Twins gave up. Uh, Evan Sisk is a guy who had a nice year in AAA, thought maybe could have got a crack at the big leagues. He was acquired by the Twins in the J.A. Happ trade, and uh, somehow the Twins were able to turn J.A. Happ's tenure into something positive, at least you hope. Uh, Evan Sisk was acquired from the Cardinals in the J.A. Happ trade, and then the Twins flipped him now a couple of years later uh, for the chance at Michael A. Taylor. And then Steven Cruz, uh, things like a five or a, a six foot. Uh, I, I got to look that up here, his, his height. Uh, but he's a, you know, I've been heard by others that uh, it's an intriguing prospect. He's six, seven, 225 pounds, can throw a little heat on the fastball. But when it comes down to it, I mean, if you look at last year in double A, uh, he played in uh, 46 games in Wichita last year and an ERA of five and a half. So, or 5.14. So, you know, developmental guy probably doesn't really have a lot of stick kind of just a couple arms. You can load into your system. If you're Kansas city, uh, Evan Sisk had some upside, I thought, but you know, never really had the high ceiling of being uh, a lockdown reliever uh, because you know, until proven otherwise, we really don't think of that. And they're relieving prospects in the minors. So unless they're blowing people away, there's just not a ton to get excited about with them. But if you're the Royals, you take a couple extra arms in your system. Michael A. Taylor going to be a free agent uh, after this season, upcoming season. So take a flyer on him. So that's who the Twins gave up. So uh, if you remember, there was a week ago, Dan Hayes was reporting that the Twins were interested in Michael A. Taylor, but the Kansas City Royals wanted Josh Winder and the Twins basically hung up the phone on him. They basically told him to go take a long walk off a short pier. We are not trading Josh Winder. Falvey made that pretty clear. And, and it just kind of died down. You thought, oh, well, the twins swung and missed, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden a week later, and that's just how fast trades can be, whether a team uh, comes back to the to the bargaining table or whether another team just changes their offer or, or what. Uh, things just kind of escalate. I mean, you got to imagine that these teams are throwing around trades all the time. They're just calling and say, hey, like, theor- hypothetically, like, what if we did this for this? Would that ever be something you're interested in? You know, with this for this, whatever. And the Twins were able to make it work by Josh Winder. Look, he's probably going to end up in the bullpen. He's was a starter. He was fine, uh, but there wasn't really anything to go, oh, this guy's like a potential ace starting pitcher. But still, he's a starting pitcher with a bunch of team control, somebody who still has a little bit of upside. So there's no way you're trading a starting pitcher for one year of a guy who, and we'll get to in a second, is basically going to be your backup center fielder. Uh, so there, there's no there's no way you're trading that. That just didn't make sense for the Twins. The Royals, obviously, you, know, you might as well ask, start that in your position. If you're Kansas City, you got what you wanted, a couple relievers in your minor league system, throw some darts at a board. Maybe they'll turn up. Maybe they'll just give you some added depth, 
whatever. Uh, so that's what Kansas City got in this trade. And what the Twins got in the Michael A. Taylor trade was they got Michael A. Taylor, who is a gold glove winning center fielder in 2021, spent the last couple of years with the Kansas City Royals. And if you basically want to project, you say, who is Michael A. Taylor? Who is this guy that the Twins got? He's basically Alberto Celestino. That is basically who he is. He's just got a bunch more experience and he can hit a little bit more power. If you look at the fan graph sliders, uh, like the little, if you go to, or uh, excuse me, the baseball savant sliders, if you go to baseball savant and you search Celestino and you search Michael A. Taylor, they're pretty much going to say the same things when they look at the chart. That's got all the numbers you know, like exit velocity, speed, all that kind of like, and they slide it, you know, red, good, blue, bad, that the gist of it pretty much. And they're basically the same. I mean, they're, there's a few things that are different for each of them, but pretty much they're the same type of player. They're nice fielders, have a lot of upside, have some speed, but also really can't hit the ball consistently. And that's pretty much what the Twins traded for. They traded for a better Hilberto Celestino. They were, I mean, Celestino is a intriguing prospect. He's somebody who I think still has potential, but I mean, when you look at what the Twins needed, they needed somebody with experience. Celestino got rushed through the minors in 2021 and really didn't get a chance in 2022 either to get a bunch of that bats in AAA and develop. He got called up from AA right up to the majors in 2021 and really had to learn on the fly. And he was 21. I mean, he's still 23 years old. There's a lot of big leaguers who aren't going to make their debuts for like one or two more years. So Celestino got kind of rushed up because of his skill set and the positions he plays. Um, so it gives Celestino some more time to bake in the oven, if you will, kind of mature down in AAA. It's only one year. So theoretically, you have Celestino in tow, and then you have Michael A. Taylor, who is here for one year, and then next year, then you hope Celestino can take on that role. I, I would guess if you're Falvey and Levine, but Michael A. Taylor is a guy who brings, this isn't a move that all of a sudden pushes the twins over the top by like four wins. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're projected to win the AL central, but what it does give them is some much needed depth. Cause we talked about with Celestino, he really hasn't had time to mature. He really hasn't had time to develop as a big leaguer. And so he was pretty much a liability at the plate who could play a nice center field. Uh, and outside of that, the Twins had nobody else to really play center field. Max Kepler, not a center fielder. Uh, Larnick Kirilov, not center fielders. I mean, Nick Gordon pretty much had to be turned into a center fielder last year. And I know he played a little bit uh, in 2021, I think. But really last year is when he got a bulk of time in center. And uh, I mean, look, Nick Gordon, props to him. I mean, Seems like a great dude. He's stuck it out. He's done some good stuff, but he's not a center fielder. And the Twins needed a bona fide guy to play one of the most important defensive positions on the field outside of maybe like shortstop and catcher and all that. And they have a guy who's Buxton light. I mean, if like uh, I've, I've seen, uh, I think somebody equated this to like if Buxton uh, never took the next step as a hitter. And that's pretty much it. Uh, he's a guy with a lot of speed. Guy can steal some bases, play in nice center field, uh, but hitting just can't quite do it. Now, the thing about Michael A. Taylor is he is a righty. So the Twins finally have another right-handed hitting outfielder to add into the mix. He doesn't hit great against lefties. So it's not all of a sudden, I mean, like the whole, the shtick with Kyle Garlic is that he mashes lefties, but against righties, he pretty much just can't do anything. And he does, Michael A. Taylor does a little bit better against righties, but uh, 
than garlic would, but against lefties is where he's best at against left-handed throwing pitchers. But still he's not, you know, he's not going to win any awards for his hitting. That's that's for sure. Uh, but what this does give the Twins is that added flexibility is because now you have a guy for Celestino who's 23 and still needs a lot of time to develop, and you're just not quite sure what you have in him. Uh, to Michael A. Taylor, who's a veteran. He spent some time in the, with the Royals. He spent some time in Washington. He won a World Series with the Nationals. So he's got some playoff pedigree. He's been around the league before. He gets to back up Byron Buxton. And that's been something I've been saying with the Twins for years. I think there's been two or three off seasons now you see in the NFL where there's a quarterback like Lamar Jackson and then his backup is pretty much Lamar Jackson light in Tyler Huntley. He can do a lot of the same stuff Lamar does just he's like a step below in everything, but basically it's the same type of player, the diet version, if you will, the light version. And that's exactly what the twins needed to do with Buxton in center field. Cause you can't put Max Kepler there. You can't put Nick Gordon there consistently. And look, I love Byron Buxton, man. Like I, I know injuries and all, I will defend this man to the death, but he just hasn't shown a track record to be healthy consistently ever. I mean, so it's not, it is what it is. And I've said that before. I've had podcasts on uh, this podcast last April. Go back. I said, Buxton is who he is. You're not going to change Byron Buxton at this point in his career. He's going to be a guy who win healthy is one of the most dominant players in baseball, but he just has never proven to stay consistently healthy. But Byron Buxton is still a guy you want on your team. And the twins tried to do the load management thing last year. The problem was, is they never had a good enough guy to put in center field. So now this allows Byron Buxton to slide into that DH for a few games, lets him uh, not have to play center field. And you're replacing one gold glove center fielder with another gold glove center fielder in Michael A. Taylor. So it's something that definitely is to the twins advantage and something that they can use defensively and they don't have to put Max Kepler out of position. They don't have to take Joey Gallo from the corner outfield spots or first base and throw him into center field. Um, It's a move that just gives them a lot of depth and allows them to play with some things. Uh, And it just allows Celestino to cook. It allows Michael A. Taylor to do his thing. He can steal some bases. I think really Byron Buxton could steal bases a bunch. I think they don't because they're afraid of him smashing his pinky into the base. Fair, but especially with the twins were dead last in stolen bases. I might add last season in all of baseball. And now with the rule change that uh, with the pitch clock, you get one pick. I think you get like two pickoffs. And if you're going to pick off a third straight time, you know, in this pitch clock rule, cause the pitch clock will reset to avoid pitchers from just stepping off to reset the clock. Uh, basically if you try to third pickoff move, I think it's a third uh, and you don't get the runner out. It's a balk. So basically it's going to incentivize teams to get greedy and to try and steal bases, which is what baseball wants. Baseball wants more action on the base paths. And Michael A. Taylor is a guy who you're not afraid to steal a bunch of bases and still for being 31 years old has pretty good speed. So somebody who can be a threat on the base paths, somebody who can be a nice defensive center fielder for the twins and give them some added value in that spot. And honestly, now with this acquisition, it pretty much sets the twins 26 man roster, uh, especially for the hitters. You know what hitters they're going to have in tow uh, when they break camp, assuming everybody's healthy, which, you know, if you go on last year's team is a big if, but 
That's the Michael A. Taylor trade. There's nothing really too complicated about this. Basically, it gives Byron Buxton a true backup who's Byron Buxton light. He can't hit like Byron, but he can field uh, close enough to Byron where he's a true center fielder, somebody you can plug in. Yeah, he's a backup technically, and maybe for Michael A. Taylor, you were going to be a starter in Kansas City. But, I mean, we all know this. Byron Buxton is going to be on the IL. They're going to rest him for three days in a row uh, for precautionary measures. He's going to Byron Buxton is going to DH a little bit, and it just gives Michael A. Taylor the uh, more time in center field. And also having Michael A. Taylor on your bench, let's say Byron plays in center field and Joey Gallo DHs or Carlos Correa DHs or something like that. Now, if you get to the eighth inning and you need to put a guy on base, Michael A. Taylor is a great guy to pinch run in a situation and give you some speed on the basis, which is something that can help the twins dramatically because I'm going to guess now I have no information, but the twins were dead last in stolen bases last year. I doubt they're going to be dead last in stolen bases again. Uh, I, I just, I just have a feeling I could be wrong, uh, but I feel like that's, I just feel like that's how things are going to go. Now, granted, you could say it's because Byron was hurt for a little bit and they really didn't trust him to steal. And the Twins didn't exactly have just a ton of burners out there uh, who could steal bases. So maybe that's it, uh, but that's just the way the Twins, that, that's just how it happened. I feel like the Twins are going to course correct and not quite be in that spot again uh, next season. And especially if you have a, a guy like Michael A. Taylor, that's going to help get guys into second base, put them in scoring position, and more importantly, just make it a little more exciting, especially since losing Luis Arise. We talked about that on the last podcast. Go listen to it. Uh, one of our more well-listened to podcasts on Bombs Away, so appreciate everybody who's been listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. We really appreciate it. Uh, but, you know, I I think that it needs to be more exciting because, look, as much as it is and this is a problem with baseball generally. They're doing a great job at trying to be efficient. And how do we make the most efficient baseball team with the most efficient players who can do it? Like, whatever. But And somebody like Theo Epstein with the Cubs admitted this, uh, is that you know it does make a more efficient ball club. Sometimes it's just tougher to watch. You know, the three true outcomes. It's going to be a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. You know, like some great highlights, some great players. That's taking away nothing from the players. Uh, it's just the style of play a little bit tougher to watch if you don't absolutely love baseball. And it's just a way to create some more positive momentum, create some things happening during a game along with the pitch clock shaving down games in the minor leagues by half an hour to 40 minutes last season. So I think on, I think that should make the Twins a little bit more fun to watch and would be something that they should just do anyways because they now have the speed to do it in Taylor, in Buxton. In, I mean, Kirilov's sneaky quick. Larnick sneaky quick for both being out corner outfielders slash first baseman. If you're Larnick, um, I don't know if I said Nick Gordon can steal some bases. Um, if Celestino comes up, he's certainly a base stealing threat. Uh, so there's a few guys around the diamond who can kind of, uh, kind of play with as well. Max Kepler doesn't quite have the same speed. He did a few years ago. If you look at fan graphs and his speed rating, he's definitely fallen off, but he's gotten older. So whatever, but I just think the Michael A. Taylor trade is a nice one, and it's really something to show with the Twins of they want depth. They learned the hard way last season uh, about not having enough guys, and even the last couple seasons, you just had some key guys get hurt. You didn't really have enough guys in the spot. As we saw in the starting rotation, they're like, we can't have enough starting pitchers. Twins are like, we can't have enough 
outfielders and we can't have like if there's this is pretty much said if you want to look at the twins lineup and then we'll start to talk about the bullpen here so we kind of wrap up the michael a taylor trade because it's again backup center fielder he'll play a lot it'll give buxton a nice guy in center field to when he dhs so michael a taylor is going to get a healthy share of at bats he's going to be a productive player for the twins but He's pretty much a defensive guy who can maybe hit. He's a bottom of the he's a bottom of the lineup hitter. You're not going to see him hitting above seventh in the lineup. I don't think. I could be wrong, but that's just kind of my initial assumption here. But if you look at this Twins potential lineup, I'm just going to go around the diamond. This is in no particular order. You look at left field. You maybe say Joey Gallo starts in left field. Byron Buxton in center field. Right field at the time being until proven otherwise. Max Kepler is still on the roster, so you assume he's penciled in. It's the opening day starter there. Alex Kirilov at first base. Jorge Polanco at second. Carlos Correa at shortstop. Jose Miranda at third. And then you have Christian Vasquez behind the plate. That's a good lineup. It's got some good players on there. Assuming Joey Gallo has a bounce back season, that's really good. Uh, assuming Alex Kirill, uh, there's a lot of what ifs. I mean, that can be for a later podcast, but you know, Kirill, Kirilov and Larnick can get healthy. That helps this team a bunch. Jose Miranda taking another step up or at least staying at the level he was at last season helps the team a bunch. Vasquez is a nice little hitting catcher as well. Uh, you know, Byron Buxton's Byron Buxton. Max Kepler, who knows how the shift does. I don't think the shift will impact his game that much, but still a guy who can do some things for you if he can have a little bit of a bounce back season. And then Carlos Correa, who I think is going to have a bounce. He had a nice season. He had a really strong September when it didn't really matter. But I think Carlos Correa, now knowing his financial security is taken care of and just being able to go out and play baseball and be motivated on his contract should definitely help him want to come out and and play well. So this twins lineup can hit. Cause then you look at their backups again, Kyle farmer is your opening day shortstop. Yuck. Kyle farmer is your utility infielder. Nice. That's nice. You can use that. Uh, same thing with Nick Gordon, Nick Gordon has to start for a considerable amount of time. Yuck. Nick Gordon is a utility guy who can kind of fill in here and there and get a healthy amount of at bats. Sure. Michael a Taylor opening day center fielder. Fine. But you know, not going to really move the needle for you. Now as a backup center fielder, really nice addition for this Twins team. So if you look at the, and Ryan Jeffers, starting catcher, proved he can't quite handle that workload yet to be an everyday catcher. Twins really don't like to have an everyday catcher anyways. They like to split it 60-40, kind of ride the hot hand throughout the course of a season, kind of deal with catching. And Ryan Jeffers, a guy who, is good off the bench and a guy that can help you out. So I think if I got that right, you got the nine guys in the field and then you add it with Nick Gordon, Michael A. Taylor, um, Ryan Jeffers, and uh, who's the other guy off the forgetting a uh, Kyle farmer. Uh, you have all those guys. That's probably your what? Four guys off the bench. Yeah, so you got 13 hitters and 13 pitchers somewhere in there. Maybe I'm off a little bit on my numbers, but uh, I mean, that's, that's a nice twins set of bats. It's not, they're not going to, they're not the Houston Astros, but it's competitive. 
especially if everybody plays up to potential. Uh, this team could be very, very competitive if Larnik and Kirilov play to potential. Miranda takes another step up, all that kind of stuff. So really nice move for the Twins uh, to be able to get Michael A. Taylor. It's not one that's going to grab headlines, but it's a nice one just to add some extra depth to this team. Give Byron Buxton a true backup center fielder who plays a lot like Byron Buxton, and the Twins can use that to their advantage and help give Buxton those off days and let him DH and do all that kind of stuff. And the fielding quality doesn't necessarily take a huge drop off, which is always the thing with Byron Buxton is he's an elite center fielder. Why take him off the field for Nick Gordon? Is that really helping your team? Uh, Yes. To keep Byron healthy, but you know, is that going to help you in the moment in that one game? If Nick Gordon can't quite catch a fly ball uh, because it's just hit a little bit too deep into the gap. Now you have Michael A. Taylor who can patrol around there and make that, catch or at least be in the right position and no center field. It comes naturally to him, all that kind of stuff. So nice move for the twins. Um, overall, uh, they're set. I think, I think you really don't see too much of a change in the twins opening day roster, unless, uh, Matt Walner just absolutely destroys the ball in spring training. And, uh, maybe Trevor Larnick gets hurt through camp or Alex Kirilov just isn't quite ready yet. There's a couple ways. There's a couple of things that could still, uh, shake out with the twins, but that's pretty much how it is. Brooks Lee, Austin Martin having a really great camp, but I don't see them even doing that unless they really have to come up and play a lot. I don't see them getting called up to sit the bench. Probably want them to still cook in the minors and get a lot of playing time and develop. So that's how the twins opening day lineup shakes out or at least opening day roster. And we'll get to some more of the pitchers in one second. Cause it looks like that rotation again. Uh, now with the addition of Pablo Lopez, you have Lopez, you have Sonny gray, you have Joe Ryan, you have Kenta Maeda and um, blank. And the other one, you have Ryan Maeda gray Lopez Maeda. There you go. There's the five. Uh, so they, that's going to be the five twins. Don't really want to do a five man rotation, but could depending on how things shake out. Uh, but the bullpen is something I wanted to get to and I wanted to talk about, and let's just finish up the podcast by doing that. So we can uh, talk a little bit about this thing that I've been hyping up for like three weeks. Cause there was a little bit of Carlos Correa steam and just kind of recapping the twins off season. Then it completely changed on its head. When we talked about Carlos Correa coming back, then we talked about the twins adding with Correa. Then we talked about the arise for Lopez trade. I mean, there's just been so much going on that, you know, haven't had a ton of time to just go over that. And even now we had the Michael a Taylor trade, which took up the first half of this podcast. So there's just a lot going on. Uh, with the twins, which is fun because it's the middle of January and I am super excited for baseball pitchers and catchers report to Fort Myers in a handful of weeks. There's the world baseball classic coming up. Uh, just a lot to be excited about. I'm, re- I'm ready for baseball. It's the late January. It's about this time of year. You know, football is on its way winding down, or at least there's only a couple more games a week kind of deal. Uh, basketball, I get kind of like the novelty of like that being back wears off. So I like kind of wait until the playoffs to really care about that baseball. It's twin twins time, baby. Like I I'm ready for the Minnesota twins to get playing baseball again. So it's, it's been great for offseason content to be able to push us through kind of the dog days of winter, if you will, uh, and get us excited for the summertime and twins baseball and all that uh, coming up pretty quick here. So 
you know, as we go through these positions and now, especially now that we have a better idea of who the twins are going to have in the major leagues, we'll go through some of the position players and kind of who the twins have, who's coming up, you know, could there be any changes? You know, if you look at a guy like Austin Martin or Brooks Lee, Royce Lewis, you know, how do those guys shake out? So we'll talk all about each position by position as the off season continues. And as we get closer to spring training and could even be something we talk about as the twins get into into games and Fort Myers. But right now, let's talk a little bit about the bullpen. So the Twins needed relief help, and I talked about this earlier before they had Pablo Lopez and before the Twins really kind of reshaped this rotation is piggybacking starters, is that a thing? Uh, Because, look, the Twins have this stigma last year, and they earned it, of not taking players deep into ballgames. And, yes, Chris Bundy – or. Chris Bundy, Dylan Bundy and uh, uh, Chris Archer. Maybe you could combine them and they could pitch six total innings uh, towards the end of last season. Uh, but they were atrocious and they didn't get to the fifth inning because they just weren't good enough to get to the fifth inning. Once you got through the second order, the once you got to the third time through the order, it was over. And heck, even sometimes just the second time through the order, Bundy and Archer were just washed and it was just really tough to see um, and they overstretched their bullpen which wasn't good anyways so look it was it wasn't ideal you know do you let the do you ride the bullpen too long and then they get wore out and blasted or do you ride the starting pitcher too long and they get blasted uh, but it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just Bundy and Archer to an extent now they let Gray go a little bit deeper Gray was battling some injuries. You could kind of see the twins motivation to be like, let's not push him. Let's try and keep him healthy for a playoff run. If we can get there, you know, we don't want to wear him out to get to the seventh inning in one game. If it means he's got to miss the next two starts, kind of a deal. Um, I get the logic still wish Gray could have pitched deeper into games. That's just could be just more me as a fan. Again, trying to make baseball a little bit exciting to get invested in seeing a guy pitch longer into the game and kind of feel invested, seeing how far he can go, all that kind of stuff. Um, But you, know, you look at Joe Ryan's no-hitter attempt against Kansas City where they took him out of the ball game early. And I said it at the time, you, I get why, but you got to let him, you just got to let him try. Um, the Twins basically were eliminated at that point. They were still technically in it, but for all intents and purposes, they were cooked. Let Joe Ryan get his moment. They, he didn't quite do that. So as much as some people will say that it was pretty much just Bunny and Archer that got the the short lease treatment. It was all of the starters, all for different reasons. For Joe Ryan, it was that he hadn't pitched a full big league season before, and the minor league season isn't as long as the big league season, so it's, hey, let's make sure we don't injure this guy for next year. I get the logic. I get, I get it. But it's not fun to watch, and it didn't matter anyways. They still would lose because their bullpen wasn't good enough to hold it. So that's the Twins' I talked about that with piggybacking starters and maybe they could do that with some guys from the bullpen. And that still might be a thing early in the season. If you look at a guy like Kenta Maeda, who's coming off Tommy John surgery, do you maybe bring Josh Winder into the bullpen and pair Maeda with Winder and each of them, maybe Maeda pitches three innings and then Winder tries to pitch three or four or two, you know, to get you to that sixth inning and then go from there. Because the Twins' bullpen pitching from the 6th inning onward is manageable. Having to pitch from the 5th inning onward, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th innings, it's just too much. And so they got to figure it out that way. But I talked about that in a previous podcast, so go back and listen to those. Um, But for the bullpen, let's just go over who the Twins have and just kind of what that situation looks like. This is in no particular order, just kind of how, uh, how I 
went down this list with the bullpen. Uh, looking at the relief pitchers, you have Jorge Lopez, the uh, right-handed thrower. Again, got ni- some nice speed on his arm, relies on a sinker for over half the time. Um, it's good when it's working. Doesn't quite get a lot of spin on it uh, and command, which can mean low whiffs. He's not quite going to generate a ton of swing and miss. But uh, so when the ball gets hit, it gets hit a long way. But again, still a guy who's been able uh, to figure things out and been able to be very, very, very productive and be an all-star last year for the Orioles. And the Twins hope that now a full year a full off season in their system and being com- more comfortable will help because they really don't want to use Duran in that closer spot. They love being able to dispatch him in the sixth inning or the eighth inning or whatever, and to use him to kind of put out fires instead of have to reserve him to slam the door. Lopez is a nice guy who the twins think is good for that role. Um, needs to control his walks. He had a 10% walk rate in 2022. Uh, he'll probably come back to earth a little bit from that all-star season. I mean, he had an ERA of under two as a reliever through the first half of the season. That's just not going to happen. It went a little bit up with the twins, but again, how much is that regression going to be? Is he going to go to having like an ERA of three and live with that? Is he going to go to having an ERA of five? It's not going to work out for you. Pablo, or uh, excuse me, uh, Jorge Lopez, I'm going to confuse those guys a lot. Uh, Pablo Jorge Lopez, excuse me. Uh, You know, again, he's under team control for a few more years. um, So you're you can't you're stuck with it. So the twins are going to have to figure out how to use him. And he's going to again, if he starts out well, everything goes fine. Good. Even if he starts out struggling a little bit, jury's still not out on him. If he has a full season where he struggles, then you know, you might have to cut bait on him, but we'll kind of see how that season goes. Um, either way, Lopez is pretty much an easy case of like, just how much does this guy regress? If at all, I don't necessarily see him taking like another step to be a more elite closer, but can he just play at the level he did throughout 2022? And I think the twins will be fine with that because their main guy is Duran, one of the best relief pitchers in baseball MLB network did their top 10 relievers. And of course he was on there. So that's Duran. He had an elite rookie season about as good of a rookie season for a bullpen guys you can have. Um, so naturally there's a chance to see some regression there and him not be quite as good, especially give uh, teams a full off season to kind of figure him out. Um, but he's as solid as they come uh, a full off season of training for the bullpen. As much as we talk about teams having a full off season to prepare for him, Duran is a full off season now to prepare as a bullpen arm. And as that firefighter role, because he kind of came in expecting to be a starter twins, moved him right away to the bullpen. And the twins made it very clear. Rocco did throughout the end of last season that they're going to keep Duran in that bullpen role just because he was so, so good. He's the star of this bullpen. A guy who's close behind him just in terms of productivity was Griffin Jacks. He had a nice job last season. Uh, He'll be rewarded with some more high leverage spots. His slider and fastball, of course, the go-to pitches for Griffin Jacks can throw them both pitches for above average velocity and spin, which has really helped him out and him being in the bullpen and him being able to kind of maximize his throwing in small doses instead of having to extend it over five innings like he did as a starter in 2021. That transition was something that really, really helped him go from a below average starter to an above average bullpen arm. Bullpen arms are weird, but still Griffin Jacks had a very, very nice season. Baseball Savant give, uh, gave him just a really solid rating uh, in last year. Uh, his 2022 weighted ERA was slightly lower uh, than his actual ERA, which just goes to show you that, you know, he's doing well. 
compared to weighted ERA, just weighs it with the rest of baseball. Uh, so again, somebody who's had a really good clip, nice FIP. Uh, he's a guy who didn't overperform. He's just a guy who played nice in a role. So again, there could be some regression there. I give him another full season. Bullpen guys are weird, but a really, really nice development for the Twins in 2022 as they try and rebuild the bullpen to get it back to the elite levels it was in 2019 and 2020. Jorge Alcala is a guy that they hope to be in the mix, I'm sure. Uh, He's got the high upside. He was a guy that they've, uh, they got him in the Ryan Presley trade from Houston. He's a guy that they really hoped for, but has had to battle some injuries the last couple seasons. He throws for a lot of heat, a lot of spin, but when he's hit, hit hard. There's a lot of high exit velocity. He's a fastball and slider guy. The Twins love fastballs and sliders. If you haven't picked this up by now, um, you got to watch the injury concerns because he hasn't really pitched since August of 2021. Uh, he had triceps and a right elbow injury through the last couple of years. I love Jorge Alcala. I still see a lot of high upside in him. I want him to be a part of this bullpen mix. It's just got to happen. I think he's effective when he pitches, but I think he needs to be more reliable and more dependable and and again in that mix because he made a few appearances last season, but again, was hurt by the end of April and never played for the rest of the season. Setback after setback, maybe a new head trainer helps with that, but uh, Jorge Alcala, somebody who needs to be healthy, but when healthy, I think can be a very productive piece for this Twins bullpen. Something that the Twins are relying on a lot with a few guys as we go um down the list. Uh, he who shall not be named, Emilio Pagan, uh, is still here. Uh, you want to hope it's more of a depth signing. I mean, we all know the story. Gave up a bunch of home runs. Don't even bother bringing him in the game if you're playing the Guardians. All that kind of stuff. He blew lead after lead, even in April and May, when he was getting some high leverage spots at the end of games. He would get the outs, but would look really shaky. And you could just kind of see it. Some people are like, well, I mean, he's getting the hitters out. Like, he'll figure it out as the season goes on. There's the other camp who's saying he's struggling in April. Like, what if he doesn't? And he just keeps getting hit hard. And he just kept getting hit hard again and again and again. Gave up a lot of home runs. Couldn't locate his pitches. So, again, Pagan, I don't know why he's still around. I don't know if Falvey has something to prove with the Taylor Rogers trade. With keeping him and, and Paddock, who Paddock is fine. Extending him is fine. Uh, but Pagan really felt like a guy who just shouldn't have came back, but he's here. And again, if the twins bullpen plays up to potential, it's an if, but you probably don't need Emilio Pagan, but he's just kind of there. See what you can do. Whatever. Caleb Thielbar, like the only lefty that the twins really have in this bullpen, the old crafty vet. Uh, I mean, had another great season. One of the most effective relievers on the twins in baseball. Um, and just really nice. He's a guy who, again, doesn't throw a ton of heat, but just able to locate his pitches, get outs when he needs to. Um, he's the only reliable lefty the Twins have in the bullpen. So, I mean, he's just got that job security until somebody comes to overtake him. Uh, I'm a big Caleb Thielbar guy, so good to have him in the bullpen. Nice little spot, and that's how uh, this shakes out. For Ronnie Henriquez, he was a, a right hand. Uh, he's a right-hander. He was acquired in the Garver trade with Texas. He was a starter put into the bullpen. He had a 2.31 ERA in 11 MLB innings, uh, but a 3.79 FIP. He had an ERA of five in AAA, but again, starting pitcher, so it inflates a little bit because you're giving up more runs because you're pitching more innings. Um, probably starts the season in AAA, has the fastball slider changeup, kind of the three main pitches that Ronnie Henriquez rolls with. Somebody who will get more opportunities in the majors this season because of 
you know, there's going to be guys who go on the IL. It's going to be guys who struggle. It's going to be guys who just naturally earn a spot for a few days. So we'll probably see Ronnie Henriquez throughout the season. But again, the guy who's got the fastball slider change up kind of in the mix still has got a couple steps to take, but is major league ready or at least ready for an opportunity. Trevor Miguel, another righty fastball slider change up high velo. His fastball averages 98 miles an hour, uh, high strikeouts. Uh, needs to watch for the home runs. He has one and a half home runs per nine in AAA. Something that uh, Miguel need to clean up a little bit. But again, another bullpen guy with potential. Somebody the Twins will kind of cycle through over the course of the season. Uh, so another name to watch out for there. Uh, Cole Sands, again, another one of those starters. The Twins moved him to the bullpen halfway through the year. Didn't like him as a starter at all. Like Just didn't really have any confidence in him at all after watching his first start and then his second start. Just nothing. Uh, but out of the bullpen, I thought he was effective. I thought him piggybacking Chris Archer was a nice combo. I wrote about it for his own coverage about halfway through last season, saying the Twins should just kind of keep rolling with that as much as they can. They didn't really, I think Cole Sands got hurt or something like that. I can't quite remember. Um, like Sands is a ro- long reliever more than a starter, somebody who can piggyback maybe a Kenta Maeda or some, somewhere along those lines. He's got the fastball, the curveball, the splitter. Again, he's got to watch the home run ball as well. Might just attribute it to him being a young pitcher. Need to see more development as a starter, but I think he's pretty much destined for the bullpen. Just when you look at how much depth the Twins have at starting pitching and that he didn't prove himself last year, basically says that this guy is going to be, he's going to be a reliever. Could be in that unique role of a piggybacker, but till now, uh, just a reliever. Uh, A couple other lefties on this list. There's Giovanni Moran. Flashed some nice upside from the southpaw with a 2.21 ERA and a 1.78 FIP. That's fielding, independent pitching. Basically, um, kind of a metric of if you have a nice FIP but a high ERA, it means you're pitching better than the run production is showing and kind of vice versa. Kind of tells you if you're pitching a little over your head. But not for Moran. He had some nice... I think he had some nice moments. He didn't get a ton of high leverage innings, but was good in those situations. Could be a very high strikeout guy when he's right. I think Moran is, if the Twins had it their way, like takes another step, maybe not this year, but maybe the year after, supplants Thielbar as that go-to lefty in the bullpen. Now the Twins only have one lefty in Thielbar, so Moran definitely feels like a guy who can be in that mix. Uh, Danny Columby uh, is a guy just a guy. I mean, he's was with the twins a little bit last year with the Dodgers. Then the twins just claimed him off waivers. Um, he had a 1.46 ERA, only 12 innings though, for the twins uh, had a 3.8 FIP. So needs more body work to really see that balance out. Um, if the twins need another left-handed reliever, he's there. I mean, if he was a righty, there's no way the twins would take a flyer on him, but the fact of him being a left-handed thrower uh, helps a lot. He's on a minor league contract with an invite to spring training, um, so again, that's where the twins stand in terms of a lot of their bullpen guys. Now, if I did my math, right, the twins have 13 guys in the field and then they have or 13 hitters, and then they have five starting pitchers that gets them to 18. So they need eight guys out of the bullpen. Roughly again, it's just kind of me spitballing. This isn't like a uh, mock mock opening day roster 1.0 or whatever. Um, Jorge Lopez makes it. Duran makes it. Griffin Jacks makes it. Uh, assuming injuries, Jorge Alcala makes it. Caleb Thielbar makes it. That's five. I think Emilio Pagan breaks camp out of spring unless somebody performs really well. That's six. Um, 
And then it's kind of a toss up from there. Maybe McGill gets a shot. Maybe Henriquez gets a shot. Maybe Moran gets that shot. You could also throw a guy like Josh Winder in the mix. Cole Sands gets thrown in that mix. Um, They have a few of those bullpen arms, kind of those starters who aren't quite going to be starters, but like they're still technically a starting pitcher, but they'll throw him in the bullpen because they don't want to sit him in triple a, that could be something. Maybe you see a Josh winder type with the piggyback innings, as we talked about with uh, maybe Maeda or something like that being an option they could use, but more time will tell. And as we get closer to spring training, I don't have any pulse on the twins. So this is just me spitballing here. Um, But if the again, if the twins are going to keep that short leash principle, it doesn't hurt them to not have a Danny Columby and instead have a Bailey Ober or a Josh Winder or Cole Sands. I think Bailey Ober probably should stay in Triple A because he needs more time to pitch and stretch out his arm as a starter and go do that down in Triple A. Because uh, ideally, you want Ober in your starting rotation at some point this season. You could live without Josh Winder making an appearance to start a game and have him just be a long reliever or a piggybacker or somebody like that who you can rely on. So maybe that's who you save those final couple spots for. Um, uh, I, you know, you look at guys like Duran, Jax, Theobar, they're all locks on this team additions. Uh, I mean, people have thrown around Michael Fulmer cause he was on the team last year. Um, I think the twins should bring him back. I think a, a flyer, like a one-year deal would be very nice, but the twins probably want a one-year deal. And if you're Michael Fulmer, you probably want to see if there's a multi-year deal out there for you somewhere, maybe a one-year deal with the team option or the two-year deal, three-year deal. I, I mean, I don't know. Michael Fulmer is probably not going to get that. Um, but as spring training gets closer, he's going to get desperate and have to sign with the team eventually. And the twins can offer him say like, Hey man, you know, you were with us last year. So there's comfortability, a full season. We're expected to be pretty good. You know, you'll get some high leverage innings that would again, add another, it was like the Michael A. Taylor. It doesn't necessarily take you from an average bullpen to an elite bullpen, but it does just give you that little bit more depth that you can definitely work with and use and pushes everybody down a spot, which means everybody below him down a spot, which helps in terms of depth and just putting guys in roles where they're best fit to succeed. So that's what I think about the relievers. Finally got a chance to touch on that um, and, and just where the twins are going to go uh, in that direction. It's my general feeling. I can't say I'm quite confident in how things are going to shake out because as we've learned, Falvey and Levine can wheel and deal at any moment. And all of a sudden somebody who we thought was a lock to make the roster is gone. Somebody who we expected to be traded is still here like Max Kepler. Uh, th- there's still some dominoes to fall and some things that could change. But for the moment, I don't foresee the twins making any major moves. Maybe they bring Fulmer back. Maybe they trade first somebody, maybe they trade for another reliever. Maybe they, I I don't even know who you can really trade for at this point outside of maybe adding to the bullpen, which is the one area that they've looked at the least over this off season. But that's where things stand right now with the twins. And I think this is a good point to wrap it up and uh, just be done for the night. So I can uh, sit on the couch and get ready for bed. Uh, This has been the bombs away podcast. I'm your host, CJ Baumgartner. Follow us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, give us the five-star rating, all that good stuff. Go follow the bombs away YouTube channel as well. Give that a like and a subscribe, and we'll see you guys next time. And we can finally start breaking down some of these position players, unless of course the twins want to uh, make another big trade, in which case we'll cover that too. 